Welcome, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Today's sermon is both a lesson in how to approach the Bible, as well as a lesson on getting closer to God. Here's First Pres Executive Coordinator Jenny Sung with the sermon, Lift Up My Soul. Good morning. You may be seated. Good morning, good morning. Hi, I'm Jenny Sung. I'm the executive coordinator and campus pastor to our downtown location called The Vine. Hello, Vine. It's a pleasure to worship God together this morning, to sing his praises on our lips and share today's message with you today. We're in a very special book of the Bible, the Psalms. And as we follow the lectionary, we are going to be looking at a psalm in the Old Testament. This is a poetry book of prayers. And we heard Leon open up with a beautiful prayer, a psalm this morning. These were sung in the temple in worship services. Now the psalms display the depth and the range of human emotion. We go from joy and elation and praise to despair and desolation. You'll read, shout for joy. To the Lord, all the earth burst into jubilant song, into music. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. But you'll also find the cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The snares of death confronted me. Help, Lord, help. The Psalms connect our hearts with our minds and gives us normal, everyday people an example of how to be honest and real before God. The Psalms take us to a deep and holy place of communion with Him. Now, if you've ever known weakness or struggle or frailty, maybe sin that just led you to the end of yourself, the Psalms is a very good place to dwell. Our Psalm today is from Psalm 25. It's a Hebrew poem composed by David, or King David. Many of us are familiar, right, with the Sunday school story of David and Goliath, how as a young little boy, he defeated the Philistine giant with a sling and five stones. It was one smooth stone. Yes, the same David who grew from a young shepherd boy and a musician, he played the harp. He was a warrior and ultimately king of Israel. David is in the ancestral line of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, you'll find David's story in the first and second book of Samuel in the Old Testament. You see that he's passionate, he's talented, a musician, composer, warrior, and fighter. In his lifetime, David had great victories, but he also had tremendous heartache, tremendous struggle. His story reveals betrayal and persecution. He's like a fugitive on the run, hated by the person he tried to protect. And this is also a man who royally messed up, royally, guilty of tremendous wrongdoing. In sin, he slept with a married woman and then murdered the husband to try to cover it up. And his own son Absalom rebelled against him, trying to take away the throne. Yes, it's like a K-drama, I know. David knew victory, but he also knew the depth of pain, of loss, of regret. But despite everything, David always looked 
toward God. In spite of everything, even in pain, he never stopped worshiping God. David was a man after God's own heart. Will you stand with me as we read one of the Psalms David wrote? This is Psalm 25. This is about half the Psalm. Now, as we read this, I encourage you, maybe later tonight, to read the full Psalm, maybe as a devotional or a quiet time, as you'll see more of the uh, themes that we're going to be discussing today. So all together as the people of God, let's read Psalm 25, verses 1 through 10. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness to those who keep his covenant and his decrees. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, as we look at this psalm, I'd like to teach you a very simple tool today. We're going to use this tool as we go through Psalm 25. Now, these are four very basic, simple questions that you can use for any Bible passage, any passage at all. There are four questions that keep your full focus on God and your full weight on God, right? You may be familiar with questions, you know, that you've used in the past, things that help you study the Bible, right? Well, this one is actually taught by a pastor and author, Jeff Vanderstel. It's in a book called Gospel Fluency. It basically tells you how to apply the gospel to your life. You know, sometimes we all need to go back to the basics. You might be a, a veteran Christian. You might be a seasoned one for years on end from a child. But sometimes we need to go back to the basics, to the foundation, back to God's word, recentering our focus on who God is. It's much like Vince Lombardi, the legendary football coach who won three straight and five total NFL championships in seven years. He started training season with the most elemental statement of all. He would say, gentlemen, holding a pigskin in his right hand, gentlemen, this is a football. He believed in mastering the fundamentals, simple ideas, deeply understood. 
So we're going to do that today. We're going to focus on the fundamentals and ask these four simple yet deep questions in sequence, and each question is going to build on the next one. <clears throat> so here's the questions. Number one, who is God? Who is God? What does this passage, Psalm 25, tell me about God's character? Number two, what has God done? How do I see God's character, from one, in action here? What, God, what is God doing? What's he done? Number three, who am I? In light of who God is, his character, and his actions, how do I see myself? Who am I? And fourth, what do I do? What do I do? If I believe one through three, if I believe who God is, what he's done, and how that character in action shapes who I am, how do I respond and relate to other people in the world? What do I do? <clears throat> you know, sometimes I think we approach the Bible through our own lens, through our own experience. You know, we have a situation, we start with ourselves. We, you know, search through scripture, what do I do? Try to find a Bible passage. But if you start with God, focus on him, who he is, and we start with our eyes on him and what he says about us, and then we can respond and relate out of that, that is the way to go. It's leaning on God first, not ourselves. It's filtering everything through the eyes of God first, starting with him rather than our own situation. So let's try this exercise together. Number one, who is God? What does Psalm 25 tell me about God's character? Well, we see that God is good and upright. God is merciful, steadfast, loving, and faithful. He's wise. It says he teaches and he guides. He counsels sinners in his ways. He knows what paths are good to take. Who is God? He is the God of our salvation. You are the God of my salvation. He has committed himself to us through a covenant. And you'll see in the psalm the word covenant twice. This is huge, this promise that David mentions. Now, if you go a bit further in Psalm 25, you go to verse 14. David is recalling the acts of the covenant of God's people. He says, they will abide in prosperity and their children shall possess the land. Now, a couple weeks ago, I talked a bit about this covenant, right? The promise that God made to Abraham in the book of Genesis. And this was a huge promise from God, that Abraham will be the father of great land, great nation. And this blessing will extend down through the generations. This covenantal love in Hebrew is hesed, this love which God has extended to us from of old to his covenantal people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the tribes of Israel. Everybody, this word has said, love, covenant is plural. It's never singular. It's to all of God's people. And because we have Jesus Christ, because of him, he is the complete fulfillment of that covenant. And we are now all in the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's why every month we do the Holy Sacrament of Communion right here. And we have the bread and the cup, right? It was Jesus in the Last Supper. He was with his disciples. And then the Gospel of Luke, Luke, you read this. Jesus takes the bread. 
and he breaks it and he gives thanks and he says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then, in the same way after the supper, he took the cup. And he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you, his sacrifice for us. God has saved his people and established this covenant with them. And now we are in this covenant, the new covenant when Jesus died for our sins on the cross. Who is God? God is committed to us. He has covenantal love for us. He is faithful. He is steadfast. He's merciful. He's good. And he's upright. That's who God is. Number two, what has God done? How do I see God's character in action? David, who writes a psalm, has known God all his life. From a young lad, he, he understands the character of God, and he's writing from this. He knows that he can turn to Yahweh, his God, and David places his trust in him. He's saying, Lord, you have shown me great mercy and covenant love from of old. Remember it now and do it again. In Psalm 25, we see David turn towards God as the restorer. He's asking God to forgive him, to renew him. When we look at Psalm 25, we see God's character in action as someone we can turn to as a deliverer, as a redeemer, as a friend who will lead us in the paths of steadfast love and faithfulness. God has shown himself to be merciful, loving, faithful, and committed he will never let go. He's come through for us in the past, and he's going to come through for us in the future. Number three, who am I? How does God's character and action then shape who I am, how I see myself? Well, based on the loving kindness, steadfast love and faithfulness of God, because of his enduring love for me from of old, we can believe that we are his beloved. We are his, we are children of God. Each person a child of the covenant through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have this covenant love from of old. God has promised himself to us. He has binded himself to us. This relationship, it's not like a contract. It's not like a two-way thing. He has committed in this deep relational covenant to us. And he promises to be our deliverer, to be our restorer, to renew us. We are children of the covenant. Do you know what the word is actually when we baptize an infant? We do infant baptisms at First Pres. We're actually having one today after the second service. If you want to join us, we'll be by the cross. We're baptizing beautiful baby Skylar. When we baptize an infant, we say the name, and then we say, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit move in your life. May you come to know and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And as a child of Christian parents, this infant is considered to be a part of this covenant community covenant community of God's people. As parents bring their child to be baptized, they're offering up the child up to God and promising before the church to raise the child in Christian faith. We are all beloved 
children, in the family of God all together, in the community of God's people. That's who we are. And that leads us to question number four. What do I do? If I believe one through three, how would I respond and relate to others? If I believe who God is, God of my salvation, and I can trust in him, and I am a beloved child of God in the covenant community of God's people, how do I respond? How do I relate to others? Well, I know I can respond and trust. I know I can turn to God, just as we saw David turning to God. I know I belong. I know I'm his. We can say, oh Lord, I lift up my soul to you. I trust in you. I lift up my soul, some versions say, I lift up my entire life to you. In honesty, in repentance, in supplication, like a, like a small child coming to a parent with needs. We can run to God freely. We could be safe and we can say, God, would you guard my life and deliver me? Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. We can say to God, please lead me in your truth and teach me your way, for you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all day long. We can respond with a teachable heart. God, I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait for you all day long. I'm going to remain in you. I'm going to rest in you. And I'm going to remember all you have done. We can respond with patience. We wait upon the Lord. We search and look for his ways, his paths of steadfast love and faithfulness. When we start with God and who he is and what he's done and who we are to him, then turning to God is the most natural, logical choice in life. It's like choosing to drink from this crystal clear, pure stream instead of muddy, stinky, dirty water. And we don't have to hide. We don't have to run from him and distance ourselves until we get our act together. We don't have to prove our worth to God and rely on our works for him to love us, to earn that love, to work for it. There's a book called The Prodigal God by Tim Keller. And he writes, Jesus doesn't love us because we're beautiful. We become beautiful through Jesus' sacrificial love. When we look at God and who he is, what he's done, what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we understand who we are as redeemed children of God. When we could be honest and real. When we sin, we can repent and ask for forgiveness and learn from him. And we can show others grace and point others towards the redeeming love of Jesus Christ. We can let others know about the saving faith in Jesus Christ. Do you know our Jesus? Have you ever heard of him? Do you know what that's like? Jeff Vanderstel writes, if we fail to give each other Jesus, we lead each other away from Jesus. We might grow in Bible knowledge, but not in love for Jesus. We might have the most religious prayers of all and yet be talking to the wrong God. 
We could have our finances in order while our hearts are completely out of order because we're doing it for the wrong reasons. We might be great at communication and conflict resolution, but if we are not reconciled with God through Jesus Christ, then our relationships can be shallow and temporary in nature. Saying yes to Jesus is a very simple act. It's an act of faith, and all it takes is accepting the gift of love that God has for you. That's what it is. It's accepting that gift. It's already been given. You just have to take it and invite him into your life. And you are a new creation, living a life that's grounded in his love, knowing the truth of who he is, what he's done, and who we are as the people of God. Now, some of you may want this for yourself, and you haven't had a chance to pray and accept this gift that Jesus has for you. And so right now, in the middle of service, we're going to say this prayer. And I'd just like to ask, if you want to pray this prayer with me, just say it. Echo it in your heart. It's going to be the very simple, it's not eloquent or fancy. It's just sorry, thank you, and please. So let's pray this together. You bow your heads as we pray. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done in my life for turning away from you, for hurting others or myself. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins so I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you for loving me. Please come into my heart. I want to live life with you. And I pray by the Holy Spirit that you will be with me forever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now maybe you prayed that prayer again in your heart, or this is the first time. But if you did, it's really good to pray with somebody afterwards. And let someone know, hey, I said yes to Jesus, so I rededicated my life to Jesus today. Ask them to pray with you. And if you are online, you can just press the request prayer button. If you're here, we can pray with you after the service, or you can go to the prayer corner in the corner there in the back of the sanctuary. We would love to hear your story and walk with you in some next steps as we continue in community together. You know, as we walk with God and in community with one another, we have the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit who counsels and guides us and gives us boldness and courage and transforms us from the inside out as we commit our lives to God each and every day. But while we're in the world, we will have trials and tribulation. It can be really hard sometimes. There's Satan who actively works against us, and we have baggage, sinful nature. So there are going to be things that come up, temptations, trials, challenges, heartache. Some days you won't even want to get out of bed. There's a prayer that goes like this. I like this prayer. <clears throat> it goes like this. Dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy or grumpy, nasty or selfish or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. <laughs> and from then on, 
I'm going to need a lot more help. <laughs> this prayer is funny because it's so real. It acknowledges our need for God each day. We need his help. But as we walk with him, with soft hearts, open minds toward God, he's going to show us. He's going to show us what he longs to restore in our lives, what he wants to heal. Some will require a surrender and a release to God, not because he wants to control us, but because he wants to free us from the things that are controlling and binding us. In these series of questions that we looked at today, Jeff Vanderstel often will ask a fifth and final question. If I believe God to be who he is, if I believe in his character and who I am to him, what are the barriers? Why don't I do it? What's broken? What's stopping me? What's broken? There's a story of the monkey trap. Maybe you've heard of it. It's, it's a legend. And according to legend, there is one sure way to catch a monkey. The sure way to catch a monkey is to put a banana in a jar. The monkey sees the banana. The monkey wants the banana. The monkey reaches into the top of the jar to grab the banana, but then the monkey cannot get his hand out, and so he stays there. The monkey is trapped because there's no way in the world the monkey is going to let go of that banana. There is no way in the world the monkey is going to loosen his grasp on the object of his desire. And so the monkey is trapped. And in some versions, it says the monkey starves to death. Now, this is just a legendary tale. But how often do we grip onto the things that control and bind us? We stay trapped thinking, this is it. This is life. This is all that life has to offer. Sometimes we're gripping to something so tight that we can't even try to open our hands, our palms in an open posture to God, to trust him and say, God, I lift up my soul to you. But because we know, we know our God, our God is a covenantal God who is committed to us, who redeems us, who restores us. He longs to set us free from the things that bind us trap us. And so as we close the service today, we're going to end in a time of prayer. We're going to ask ourselves, ask God, is there something in my life I need to release to you? And just take those moments of silence and listen to God. Maybe it's a release from material possessions, or being concerned about status, or having power? How about anger, fear, worry, judgment toward others? Maybe there's addiction, lust, and pride. Pride's a good one. What are the barriers? What is broken? God longs to release us. Release us from the things that are unhealthy and lead us in his way 
in paths of steadfast love and faithfulness. We were at staff meeting this week, and often at our staff meetings we'll study the sermon passage. So we're studying Psalm 25 together, and we share our thoughts and insights. And Shevis Wong, our contemporary worship director, he shared this. He said, so often, so much of our day is spent trying to control the outcomes of the day that are proximate to us. Yes, he used the word proximate. We want to control whatever there is, whatever it is we're trying to control. And I thought about this. You know, we try to control expectations or people or perceptions an argument or outcomes of a meeting or a situation of a day that will not put us to shame. So we control it. But when we can release the control to God, you set a deliberate, open, intentional posture for him to work in your life. You turn to him for the outcome of everything to place your trust so that you can say, oh Lord, I lift up my soul. I'm gonna trust you in this because I know who you are. I know your character. I know what you've done and I belong to you. And that will entail a choice on our part with our own free will that God's given us to choose God's way and turn to him each and every day. When we release our grip on things, we'll go from the things that bind us to transformation, transformation. There's this attitude of submission and learning and an anticipation of what God is going to do. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Can we pray this each and every day? Trusting in the faithfulness of Jesus is a choice to make each time. It can be hard to trust in the faithfulness of someone else but when we do, over time, we become more and more faithful. And our lives are going to become living testimonies to share with those around us. Every time you give God glory with a testimony of what he's doing in your life, how you're turning to him, you know what you do? You lead others towards Jesus. That Jesus can be the one who will reconcile their relationships in life. Jesus can be the one who can heal and save. So in our final moments, can we close in prayer and turn our eyes towards Jesus and focus on him? Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you for who you are. The God of covenantal love. Thank you for your faithfulness, that you never leave us or forsake us, that you have committed yourself to us. We are your people. We can turn to you. We want to follow you. We want to have that open posture, palms up toward you each and every day. Lord, will you reveal anything, anything at all that you want to release in my life? Anything that's keeping me from growing closer to you? Please release those things from my life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. 
Help us to lead others closer to you. Fill us up more and more with the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. If you would like to pray some more after the service with someone on the prayer team or with any of us, we'll be in the back corner there, in the prayer corner. And we encourage you to continue in community. You know, there's the Hebrews Espresso Bar where he or she will brew a fantastic cup of coffee for you. So make some new friends over there. Uh, now, as we close the service, uh, will you please stand as I give this blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be gracious unto you. And may you always know the deep peace of God in your heart as you trust in him and follow him each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. We now have an easy to implement five-step plan that can help us read the Bible and more importantly, apply God's word in our lives. If you wanna catch up on or listen again to previous services, visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prez sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. First Prez invites you to church. Join us in person or online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine, or online at our websites. Remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with all that's happening at First Prez. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Prez can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.